Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Welcome, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and today we're doing something just a little bit different. As you can tell, it's just Eva today. So I am in the secure bunker all by myself. Charlie may be dialing in a little bit later, but for now, you're just going to get me and our guest. So thank you for that, and thank you for dialing in today. And as always, the mission of Corporate Talk is to make a difference in our lives, the workplace, and the world even is just one person. And so what does that mean exactly? And I know we've talked about that a little bit, but with all the hoopla that's been going on in the last week, I think it's important now more than ever to discuss that. Because as a life coach and an EFT practitioner, to me, personal development is everything. And if we work on ourselves first, before we go out into the world, so I'm not saying stop anything that you were going to do, but just in the morning work on yourself a little bit, we make such a huge difference when we go out into the world if we go out from a calm, grounded place. Because every person that we touch, from our coworkers to our family to our friends to people we don't even know, Everyone that we touch, it makes such a huge difference. So take some time to start working on that now. And I'm excited for our guest today because our guest thinks along the same lines as I do. So he's all about really helping our children and helping our children and ourselves find happiness and creativity. Um, he's a middle school teacher, and he is the author of... I'm trying to find it now. He's the author, author of Teaching Happiness and Innovation. So this is a huge, a huge, huge deal, right? Because our kids are the future. Our kids are the ones that are going to make the difference. And if our kids are stressed out, that's really not going to be a good thing. So we have to help our kids and ourselves get calm, get grounded, go out in the world, and then figure out what we're going to do from there. And I also want to, um, before we bring Mike on the line, I also want to invite you to go to our new website, which is charlieandeva.com. And at charlieandeva.com, you can look at our blogs, you can look at our upcoming events, and you can also find the links to all of the old corporate talk shows, which you can also get on iTunes because those replays are available 24-7. So you can download the app onto your phone, you can download some own shows and just listen to the pieces that you want, and then let us know what you think. Okay? So... I am so very, very excited and happy to speak with Mike Ferry today. Mike, are you with us? I am here, Eva. How's it going? It's great. I'm so glad that you're here. And I think that you being on the show just couldn't have been timed any better than it is, right? I mean, it's so important now. Your work now is more important than ever. So, you know, let's get started a little bit. I know that... um 
You've got a website. Why don't you tell our listeners the name of your website and what they can find there? Uh, okay. Well, my website is happinessandinnovation.com. That's happinessandinnovation.com. And the, the website is based on the title of my book, Teaching Happiness and Innovation. And on the website, I have uh, I have a blog and a podcast and uh, many of my media appearances. But uh, the information is all centered around ways that we can help teach our kids habits that will lead to happiness and success in life. And uh, you know, along the way, when we are practicing these habits with our children, we are reinforcing them in ourselves, and we're lowering our own stress and anxiety and uh, bringing ourselves closer to the type of life that we want. You know, I love that because it's so important. You know, um, before you, you got on the line, I was talking about how important it is now more than ever for us to be working on ourselves first. I mean, we can be going out into the world. We need to be doing our thing, going to work, going to groups. But it also is so important that we do our own personal development work so that when we come to the world, when we step out into the world, whether it be in our car, we go to Starbucks, wherever, that we come from a really calm, grounded, happy place. So I love what you're saying about this. And I know you're a middle school teacher. I'm wondering, like, were you always this happy teacher? And how did you come to this work? And how did you decide that this was the way you should go and that this would be your mission? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I, the, uh, the the transformation that I had in my life as a teacher happened a few years ago when I went to an education conference. Uh, I, I live in Richmond, Virginia, but the conference was in San Francisco. So I it took a long weekend out to California. And while I was there, I learned about the science of happiness. And uh, that was the first time I'd really heard of it, and it's definitely the first time I considered how those tenets of positive psychology might be applied to the classroom and to parenting. And it it, it really changed my life as a teacher and a father. Uh, You know, my, my wife and I have four kids, three boys and a girl, and uh, by this point, I've taught over a thousand students in my you know, 14-year teaching career. So, you know, helping to give kids what they need for lives of success has always been important to me. But after learning about the science of happiness, uh, that really crystallized everything, and I realized that this is what we need to be doing with our kids. We need to be teaching them these skills that will help them in the present and down the road. You know, and I love that you're saying that we need to teach them these skills, right? Because I think so many times we think like, well, either a person's happy or he's not happy. And it's simply not true. You can actually teach yourself to be happy. So, you know, you were saying that you learned about the science of happiness. What does that mean exactly? What is the science of happiness? And I know that, you know, it's more than just a quick couple of sentences. But, you know, I know when people hear that, they think, well, well, I don't know what he's talking about. What does that mean, the science of happiness? 
Uh, sure, sure. Well, when uh, when you think about the field of psychology, uh, most of us get the sense that you know, psychologists, therapists, social workers, whatever the case may be, are focused primarily on picking up the pieces when when we've experienced some kind of tragedy or trauma or uh, we're just having a hard time going through you know, the, the vicissitudes of life. Um, right. But really, the, the science of happiness is different because uh, the concept there is that through the research that's been done over the past several decades in this area, we can actually identify habits and ways of thinking that make us happier. So, so rather than being focused on you know, helping those who are suffering, and you know, actually we're all suffering in one way or another, but rather than psychology simply being used that way, what if we actually try to practice preventive mental health? And what if we make certain behaviors habitual in our own lives and in the lives of our kids to protect them and to protect ourselves from the stress and anxiety that we're bound to face? It's kind of like it's like building resiliency, right? So that when those tough times come, when that stress comes, you know what to do. You have some tools because, you know, I know when I was growing up, there were no tools. It was just like suck it up, deal with it and move on. And that is not helpful at all. So I love what you're saying here about the science of happiness, because it is a science. There are tools. There are ways that you can be happier. So what? Were you into personal development and self-help prior to that? Like, what made you decide to go to a conference in San Francisco on happiness? Well, the, the conference itself was on uh, teaching the whole child and ha- how to have happier students, a happier classroom, happier school. And, yeah, that, that, whole, that whole concept appealed to me. Uh, you know, before going into teaching, I did study psychology for a period of time. Uh, but there was a time when I was interested in going to grad school to pursue a, a, a counseling or a, a clinical psychology degree. I, I got off that path. But, uh, yeah, I'd say for, for a long time, the, uh, the, the realm of psychology has interested me, and it, it, it just made sense for me to sort of reignite that old part of who I was and to... Uh, to to try to help kids, not only in my own life, but around the rest of our country and around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 really it's really cool. It's a really it's a really great idea, and it's really it's really great that that's now your mission. And I'm wondering, so when you came back and you were excited with the tools that you found, did you start doing the work on yourself first, or did you start implementing it right away in the school? Well, yeah, I, I'd say both. Um, I, when, when, when I was introduced to these concepts, um, I noticed immediately that it had a positive impact on my own emotional well-being. Uh, but then I also, in the classroom, started practicing gratitude. Mm. And uh, th- this is something that had never been on my radar you know, previous to this conference. But it's it's just so easy, you know. The gratitude is one of 
the habits of happiness, and the more time we spend being grateful, uh, the less stressed we are, the more dopamine we get. Uh, Dopamine is a brain chemical known as the happiness neurotransmitter. And the more dopamine we have in our systems, the easier it is for us to do critical thinking and uh, to be creative and to remember things. And obviously all of these these things are very important in the classroom. So, I, yes, I, I came home from San Francisco, and immediately I started having moments of gratitude in the classroom. And uh, it, it, it was not something I'd ever considered before, but it, I have found that it, it makes a difference. I think gratitude makes a huge difference, right? And And it's funny because a lot of these tools, a lot of us in the coaching profession use them as well, right? And they just seem so simple. And sometimes it can be hard to convince clients that, yeah, I know it's simple, but it's powerful, right? It's so powerful. I mean, you yourself have seen the results. And what an amazing thing to then teach children to do that. Because did you find that the kids just really suck that information up and were into it right away? Or did it take a little convincing? Well, you know, I, I would say that there was some diversity there. Uh, you know, some kids took to it immediately. Others sort of had to be nudged along. Um, but others were like, what, what is this? <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, there was not a universal acceptance of it, I'd have to say. But over time, as, as we make something a habit, as we practice it, it, uh, it becomes just part of our routines. And, you know, when the kids, uh, you know, fall in line with it, it's not like it's torture or anything. And, um, you know, really big picture, the concept is, you know, childhood is all about setting the foundation that you'll have for the rest of your life. And as parents and as teachers, uh, if we can get our kids to be focused on being grateful, more often than whining, then it's going to have a huge positive impact. Yeah, that's terrific. And I, I want to talk more about, you know, being a middle school teacher when we get back, but we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today, author Mike Ferry, will be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning Shared Leadership Training Seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars, but now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. 
author and teacher Mike Ferry. He is the author of Happiness and Innovation. And you can also go, sorry, Teaching Happiness and Innovation. And his website is www.happinessandinnovation.com. And you can go there. You can learn more about Mike. You can actually purchase the book there. You can get it on Amazon as well. And you can also see his blogs and his podcasts and his videos, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. So, you know, Mike, I've always heard that, um, and this could be, you know, this could be true or untrue. I don't know. But I always heard that teaching middle school kids is probably like the toughest, the toughest grades to teach. Do you think that that's true? Oh, man. You know, I, uh, I would have to say yes for, you know, for a variety of different reasons. But, um, you know, I, I just think back to my own experiences as a middle school kid mm-hmm. going through it when I was uh, in, in my own period of adolescence. And so funny to me that I ended up as a middle school teacher because that period in life was so miserable. Uh, you know, people are mean to each other, yeah. and you're going through all kinds of changes, uh, you know, physical, emotional, moral. Your whole world is being turned upside down and uh, you, you're gradually on the process towards becoming an adult. You've got more and more responsibility. School gets harder. Uh, it, it is a tumultuous time. It's a very difficult time to be a kid. And as you can imagine, it's extremely challenging to be the teacher in the room when uh, you're in charge of all these kids who are at the same point in life. Um, it's it's really, 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 really hard. It's much harder than I ever thought it would be before I started. But at the same time, it's also rewarding in many ways because you know that, that you, you have a significant impact on the type of person that, uh, that each kid will become. Well, you have a major impact on the type of person that those kids become. And, you know, man, I really salute you because that's not an easy, you didn't put yourself in an easy job or an easy position. And then to come home to four kids on top of it, it's like you never have a break. You have to, like, run away somewhere and lock the door so you can have a minute to yourself. So I think it's really cool that you've you've started implementing these tools in the classroom for yourself and for the kids. But, you know, Recently, I heard on NPR, they were talking about middle school kids, and it was just a short segment. I was kind of half listening, half in and out of the conversation. But one of the things that stuck with me, which I think is pertinent to what you're talking about today, was um, the interviewer was saying that there was a study that said that the kids in that age range what they learn in that age range stays with them forever. So if you learn how to, you know, let's say tap dance, like you'll know how to do those few steps forever. So I think what's cool is, you know, thinking back to that, you know, when I saw that you were going to be on the show today, I was thinking back to that show on NPR and I was thinking, well, wow, middle middle um, school kids, that's a perfect time to teach them, teach them these habits because even they – even though they might not be doing it all the time, it's in there now. Like you got in there and you have given them habits for the rest of their lives. If that study is accurate. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really cool. I, uh, I, I'd not heard of that report on NPR. I might have to try to go dig it up. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. If, uh, if the research is correct, and I, I suspect that it is, 
then, yes, what, what we're doing with our kids when they're 11, 12, 13, 14 years old is extremely important for an, all different reasons. Um, but uh, it's, it, it's certainly a challenge. Nobody has said that it's easy. And it's, uh, I, I'm frequently totally spent emotionally and, and physically at the end of the day. But it's, uh, it, it's worth it. Oh, I bet. And so when you went to introduce gratitude to them, did you like sneak it up on them? Like, how did you introduce it to them? What did, what did you say to them to get them to start doing it? Yeah, well, you know, that's a good question because the, uh, the conference that I alluded to earlier, uh, on learning in the brain, uh, the conference was in February of the year. So I, I came home and I had from February until the end of the year to, to put it into, uh, into action. So I, I was just very upfront with my students and I said, look, I, I just got back from San Francisco. I was introduced to this amazing concept, uh, you know, this idea that, that gratitude can boost your academic performance and also lower your stress and improve your overall health. And this is a tool that you can use when, when things get really anxious and tense in the years ahead. And if we can start forming this as a habit now, then you're going to have all kinds of positive benefits down the road. So we're just going to start doing this. So if, uh, if you could just take out a sheet of paper and on that sheet of paper, just write down something you're grateful for, or you can draw a picture. And uh, this doesn't have to be the most you know, gorgeous artwork in the world, but it, the main thing is the practice because as you repeat this behavior over and over and over and over again, it becomes an automatic task and uh, your brain will take over on autopilot, so to speak, and you will naturally become more grateful and happier and less stressed. And that's a, that, that's pretty much how I related it to the kids. And as you can imagine, you know, some kids were rolling their eyes. Others thought, oh, this is pretty cool. And others were sort of, you know, somewhere in the middle. But it's a, it's, it's cool because I hear years later, uh, you know, parents sometimes will come up to me and say, uh, you know, I have to tell you that my daughter is doing this gratitude journal every night before she goes to bed. And, uh, you know, this, this is something she learned in your history classroom. And so I, I, I know it may not be sinking in for everybody on an equal basis, but the idea is that we're, we're planting seeds. We're getting these ideas in there. And, you know, hopefully it'll uh, come to fruition down the road. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Mike, right, it's like you're not only affecting these kids, you're affecting their parents, you're affecting their siblings, and you're also affecting their spouses and their kids down the road, right? I mean, it just, I mean, talk about this amazing snowball effect of what you're doing. So, you know, you're putting it in there. Some of them are rolling their eyes. They want to look cool. You know, they don't think it's a cool thing to do. But I'm sure, I have no doubt that it's in, it's in there. You've gotten in there, right? And, 
Um, have you heard from any of the kids? Like, do any of the kids tell you anything, like anything that they've experienced that's a little different? Or have you even noticed, like, any changes in the classroom even? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I'd have to say I haven't heard many reports directly from the kids themselves, but I have noticed an overall improvement in in the climate, in the culture of the classroom, and uh, I, I have heard it from parents. You know, I, I related that one story from a parent, um, and you know, with, with with any habit, it's something that takes time, and it's not necessarily something that a kid will want to come back to the teacher and, and talk about, you know, especially if they're still in middle school or in high school going through all kinds of things. But uh, as, as you said, it's in there, and it will make an impact. And the more you practice it, then the more likely it is that the habit will be maintained for, for a lifetime. And do you, so then in order for them to make it a habit, do you have them write? Do you have them write every time they're in your class, or how do you do that? Or was it once a week? Or how were how are you making that a habit with them? Well, you know, if it, if you do it every single day, then it can get a little old. So uh, with, we'll do we'll have a moment of gratitude often. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe once or twice a week, uh, but also I try to incorporate gratitude elsewhere into the curriculum. Uh, for example, if we have a, a test or a quiz, uh, you know, for bonus, for extra credit, I'll try to come up with some kind of way to, to get gratitude in there. So, for example, last year, near the end of the year, I, I had a test that covered World War One and World War Two, which, of course, are not very pleasant topics to think about, you know, <laughs> Millions of uh, death, uh, deaths and destruction and all these horrible things. But I said, you know, now that we've come through this lesson, let's try to come up with five things for which we're grateful that are uh, associated with the word peace. So, so P-E-A-C-E. So try to come up with something that starts with the letter P and then the letter E, and so on. So so that was cool. Um, and I, I got some really cool answers there, too. But, um, yeah, it, the main idea is just find ways to practice. Uh, it could be the same gratitude reflection day after day after day or once or twice a week. Um, it could be, you know, extra credit on a test or a quiz. Uh, if... If a kid has a birthday, you know, try to go around the room and say reasons why we're grateful for that person. You know, it, it's just it's just a matter of making gratitude more of a priority and trying to find creative ways to practice. Yeah, I mean, you are really bringing a lot of cool cre- creativity to the table with them because you know, I'm sure that maybe they've heard of gratitude journals now. You know, I mean, that's something that's kind of out there a little bit in the mainstream, especially with Oprah and stuff. But um, but with the way that you're doing it, it's really kind of fun and kind of cool and gives them different ways to think about, oh, yeah, 
you know, it is, you know, Sam's birthday. What am I grateful for around him? You know, and and when you start thinking in those terms, you just automatically start getting a little bit happier because it just lightens the mood on everything. It just, yeah, maybe some things are going on in some of those kids' lives because it is just a really tumultuous time for them. But on the other hand, they're also then, you've pointed them in the direction of, how they can kind of get out of that for a second and look around at all the great things that are happening. Now, I'm, I'm absolutely loving this conversation. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what else you're doing with the kids and about the book. So stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And our guest today, author Mike Ferry, will be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always... Lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. You know, I um, I have to say a little bit, as Charlie would say selfishly, I'm kind of glad that I have you all to myself, Mike, because I could talk on this topic forever. I just absolutely love it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the book, Teaching Happiness and Innovation. What's in the book, and who did you write the book for? Well, so, uh, so the book is split into two halves, uh, the first half, talks about the science of happiness, which we've been discussing on the show so far. And um, the second half deals with with innovation. And the, the reason I wrote the book was, again, you know, wearing my, my hats as a teacher and a dad, I think it's really important that we get these happiness habits ingrained in our kids, not only so that they have happiness in life, which is the universal goal of parents, but also because uh, we have a very stressful and anxious modern world. Yeah. And we, we, we need to do all we can to help our kids navigate this, this really challenging time. So that, that's the first half of the book. And then the second half of the book is more geared towards uh, you know, creativity, uh, you know, where creativity comes from, uh, and also just things for us to think about as we're trying to raise kids who are going to have to be innovative because mm. the, fu- the future is going to be dramatically different 
from anything else that we've experienced up to this point. And uh, I, I did a good amount of research into the mindsets of previous inventors and innovators and uh, you know, also just looking at the science of creativity and where creativity comes from and what we can do to become more creative. Uh, so that, that's what the second half of the book is about. But, um, yeah, I, I, the, the book is geared towards to parents and teachers, grandparents, um, you know, youth ministers, uh, you know, people who have kids in their lives, people who are concerned about ensuring that kids get on the right track for uh, promotion, well-being, and success in life. And, you know, I love that because you're absolutely right. I mean, we've seen work really dramatically change. And in order for us to survive going forward, even for those of us that are older, you know, creativity is key. But, you know, you were saying that you kind of talk about where creativity comes from. Where does creativity come from? Well, the, uh, the, the, there are a number of the, there are a number of what, things that you can do to boost your own creativity. And the first thing to keep in mind is that uh, you know, practice makes perfect. Mm. Uh, we we talked about this with gratitude, and you can become a happier person if you practice gratitude and kindness, and if you're figuring out how to live with purpose. And if you're going down the other habits of happiness, the more time you spend rehearsing those ways of thinking and behaving, then the happier you're going to be. And the same goes for creativity. And and really, the same goes for any uh, any intellectual activity that you can imagine. Um, it, that was really one of the coolest takeaways that I got from that conference I was talking about earlier, because... Um, all the brain research that's being done shows us that just about anything can be learned. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the concept of neuroplasticity, that uh, you know, the brain can be shaped based on our behavior. And the, the things that we practice most often are the things that we will become most adept at doing. So one thing to keep in mind is if you want to be more creative, just spend more time creating. Um, you know, come up with a song, for example, maybe Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And you just try to come up with new lyrics. Um, if you have a favorite movie or a favorite book, then just use your imagination and think about, well, if there were a prequel to this movie or book, what would happen? Uh, or if there were a sequel, what might happen? Um, you know, just just daydream. Just carve time out of every day to just let your mind go and um, and and just let your imagination roam free. And the thing is that as kids. We're really good at being creative, actually. We're really good at using our imagination. That's how we make sense of the world. But tragically, school gets in the way, and uh, and we have to learn how to conform 
and of course that's a good thing. We don't want we don't want anarchy. We do want rules, right. but um, but at the same time, education has this effect of forcing us to color within the lines, and so we lose a lot of our creativity. But we can regain it. We can practice it, and we can become more creative with practice. Yeah, because I think a lot of times people think to themselves, well, you know, either you're creative or you're not creative. And, you know, I used to work in tech, which actually tech would seem like it's not necessarily creative, but actually it really is creative because you have to come up with all these creative solutions. And I think a lot of times people don't even realize how creative they are and how they can work that muscle. And sometimes when I start working with clients, you know, in the beginning, there'll be a lot of negativity, and it takes a little bit of time to convince someone that, you know, those negative thoughts are not anybody but you creating those. You're creating those negative thoughts, so you can also create them in a way that's more positive, and you can use your creativity and start becoming more positive. So when you're looking at all these different ways of tapping into creativity, when you're when you're working with the kids, so even in history, then, are you then applying some of these innovations in your class there around, you know, like, I don't know, coming up with creative solutions for them? How are you incorporating that into your class? How did your class change from the creativity aspect? Sure, sure. Well, when, uh, what, one thing that I like to do as uh, you know, sort of an icebreaker before class or maybe in middle class, Again, this is not something I do every day, but I, I like to bring it out uh, occasionally. Is I'll uh, I'll write down five words on the board, and everybody has to try to come up with a short story. Mm-hmm. It, you, you don't have to write it down necessarily, but you know, just a, a, a few sentences that combine all of these ideas into something, and. Um, but often it ends up being absolutely hilarious, and sometimes, uh, sometimes kids will turn these these five totally random words into pages, page after page after page of stories that are very highly detailed. Um, you know, kids love being creative. We, we all do. Um, the problem is, as adults, it's harder for us to do it because. For so long, uh, that creativity has been squashed out of us. But once we get back in the habit of flexing that creative muscle, as you referred to it, then we realize that this is a path to joy and fulfillment. You know, creativity is one of the, that, uh, the habits of happiness, and it's what we need for our future. We need creative thinking. Uh, in every domain you can imagine, whether it's public policy or uh, the business world or healthcare, really everything. We, we are at a critical moment in history when we, we can't just say either you're creative or you're not. And we have to step up and say, I can play a role in the future of our country and our world and one thing I can do is to boost my creativity so that I can bring my own unique perspective 
and problem-solving mentality to the problems that we face. And, you know, I love what you were saying about that because it's so true. I mean, and you have to work that muscle. Last year I had, it just reminded me, last year I had talked Charlie into taking an improv class, which she had never done before. I've taken acting and improv and all of that. But um, it was on Saturday mornings, and it was a wide range of people from, like, young adults to people in their 60s, even 70s. And so it was a really wide range. I was really surprised at how many different people were there. And everybody just had a ball because everybody was, at first, out of their comfort zone. But they, you know, when they teach the classes, they make it so easy. And then people really just started getting into it. And the things that would come up with in their scenes, I think a lot of times they were even surprised what they could come up with on the fly. And the more we did it, the better we got. And it was just so much fun. And what we found was, like, every time we would leave, everybody was smiling. It was such a different experience than, you know, a lot of different things that you can do. Everyone was smiling when they left because they had really worked that creative muscle and had realized how much fun that was. And you, especially as you get older, you tend to miss that. You know, you sometimes let go of the fun. You kind of get so into your routine And if you shake it up a little bit, which this book can help do, shake you up a little bit so that you can look outside yourself and start realizing, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't even tapped into in my head. It could be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Absolutely. You know, that creativity is, uh, is amazing. I mean, not only is it vital for, for our future, but, um, as I mentioned, it's a path to happiness. And uh, when people talk about the creative juices and you know, how we can get our creative juices flowing, uh, again, we're talking about dopamine. I, I referred to dopamine earlier, the happiness neurotransmitter. And uh, the more time we spend being creative, the more dopamine we get in our brains and the lower our stress becomes, the more and the more creative we become. So the the more time you spend being creative, the, the more you unlock your creative and critical thinking potential. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, you know, we're going to go ahead and take our final break, but when we come back from the break, let's, um, I want to talk a bit, a little bit about how you think technology either helps or hinders creativity. So let's talk about that when we get back. Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is the author of Teaching Happiness and Innovation, Mike Ferry. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. 
What a great conversation I'm having today with Mike Ferry. Mike is a teacher and the author of Teaching Happiness and Innovation. And you can get the book on Kindle uh, and on Amazon. And you can also go to happinessandinnovation.com and you can learn more about Mike there. You can check out his blog and his videos and his podcast. There's just a lot of great information there as well. So, Mike, before the break, we were talking about creativity and tapping into your creativity. And I was wondering, you know, with so much technology and you're always seeing kids on their phones and they're like heads down in their phones um, or on iPads or watching TV or whatever, do you think that that's, Zapping to, um, zapping creativity, or is it helping creativity? Well, you know that's that's a really great question and very controversial because you know in, in the education world and beyond, uh, in people in tech and elsewhere for years have been saying that you know, tech is the great answer to mm-hmm. uh, to solving all of our problems. It'll make us more creative. It'll bring us closer together. As a, as a human race, and you know, technology has a lot of potential. Um, but I do think that uh, technology recently has also led to many, many challenges, particularly for kids. And uh, I, I'm not sure that the tech is always a, uh, a positive thing for creativity um, because you know, in order to become more creative in order to boost our uh, our innovation it's uh, it's really important to be focused on learning and the more we learn the more creative we can be uh, you know for example let's just say you um, you're a fan of football you know a fan of American football and yeah. and you learn about the sport of cricket somehow maybe in a class or you know, someone's talking about it, or maybe you, somehow you, you learn about cricket. Well, you start thinking, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we put these two games together, uh, football and cricket? And I have no idea what that would look like, but, uh, you know, let's, let's borrow some elements from, from both sports. Let's get some people together, and who knows? Maybe we'll create a sport that could become really popular and employ a lot of people, and you know, this could be a marketer's dream. Well, that that's creativity. That's innovation. And yeah. that that happens because you've learned something, and you're applying new knowledge to existing knowledge. Well, I mean, technology can be hugely helpful in that regard because with YouTube and the Internet, I mean, we have everything you could ever possibly want to know at our disposal. But the problem is we tend to get sucked into our own little world. Um, We get glued to our iPods and our phones and our iPads playing Candy Crush Saga (laughs) or or whatever game happens to be in vogue at the time. So tech has unbelievable potential, but... It, it, it's also addictive. These video games and social media uh, are addictions. And it's really hard for us to break away from that. And we uh, certainly there are some things that we learn along the way, but we'd be much better off spending a lion's share of our time 
reading books and uh, and breaking away from the screen and actually using our imagination, using our creativity. You know, I swear, it's like Facebook has become like smoking. You know, I mean, it just is like a time sucker that, you know, <laughs> it does. You're right. It's just so addictive. And you know it's addictive when you go to put it down and you find yourself wanting to check it again. It's just a little crazy, especially like in the last week with everything that was going on. I mean, you could just go down that rabbit hole so easily. So, and that's as an adult that didn't grow up with it. I'm, you know, as a kid, it must be you know, a hundred times worse than that to try to let go back because that's all you've known since you were a little kid. I mean, remember our granddaughter was sitting there, you know, at like six months with the with a phone, like flipping through, looking at pictures, you know, it's just craziness. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would think that that would be really hard to then try to disengage them from the tech in order to get them to kind of engage their brain to go, you know, figure out a way to go play, you know, like, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I would send you out the door and, you know, go figure it out. You didn't have a whole lot of stuff, so you kind of had to. And now if you don't have to, I would think that that creativity piece shuts down a little bit. So I think it's great that everything that you're doing and and bringing to your classroom, including the book, to help other people and other teachers and other parents learn how to help their kids and themselves tap into this is huge because you're right. I mean, things are changing and that creativity muscle is so important. It's so important. It'll be so important for them to have that. So it's great. Well, it, it is. And it actually, as you were describing uh, the experience you've had with your granddaughter, I was, uh, I was reminded of the fact that in my years in the classroom, yeah, I'm, I'm in my 14th year of teaching. Uh, within the last five to eight years or so, I have noticed a significant difference in the attention span of kids and um, you know, in, in their ability to to uh, to do something that isn't immediately fun. Mm. Uh, it's 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 really hard. But, you know, what, one of the, one of the things that all this tech has given to us as adults and also to kids is we just have this expectation of immediate gratification. Yeah. And um, the world is not always going to make you happy. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's just not the way that the world is wired. It's not the way that we're wired. But if you're used to playing video games all the time, you get you get that constant rush. Um and that constant excitement. But in the history classroom, I, you know, I try to make it as exciting and engaging as I can, but there comes a time when you have to force yourself to focus, and you have to grapple with something that's difficult, and you have to be willing to persevere and work through your challenges. And I think that that's a lot harder to do now than it was even five or ten years ago. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you because, I mean, it's just, you know, I can see myself doing it. You know, I started I started working back in the 80s when, you know, our first, in finance, and our first, you know, PC was a radio shack. They used to call them the trash 80s. And 
you know, since that time when we were doing it that way to now, I mean, things have just changed so dramatically and everything is, you know, if your, if your laptop doesn't pull up a video right away, you start like, you know, what's going on? What's wrong with the internet connection? You know, you just get so impatient. And so it is important to step away from that and unplug and just start, you know, going to classes, working your creativity, learning an instrument, just tapping into all that. You know, we just have a couple minutes left. We have like three minutes left. And and before we end, you know, speaking of creativity and an instrument, tell me a little bit about your fiddling, which I thought was really cool when I saw it on the website. Oh, sure, sure. Well, I uh, I started out as a musician uh, 34 years ago or so. Um, I played the violin and the piano and guitar and some other instruments. And I've uh, been in a number of different bands over the years, but you know, on my website, if you if you go to happinessandinnovation.com, if you click on Mike's Tunes, then I have a whole bunch of my uh, original compositions there, and you can download those songs for free. Uh, all I ask is that you consider doing something kind for another person. And, you know, kindness is one of the habits of happiness. And you know, now more than ever, we really need to uh, to encourage a kind culture, especially in our own country. So this is my own way to try to do that. So it's a my uh, my musical style is sort of a blend of later Beatles and they might be giants, Warren Zevon, Talking Heads, you know, something along those lines. Uh, so people can enjoy that, I hope. And it's, it's something you can enjoy with your kids and also as an adult, hopefully you find it satisfying. But, uh, yeah, so all my videos, uh, you know, our family took a, a trip across the country two summers ago and I had my violin in the minivan and I said, wouldn't it be cool if we stopped along the way and I did some fiddle videos? So, uh, I, I, we stopped at Mount Rushmore. And in the Badlands and a Yellowstone and Grand Teton, uh, you know, just across our country with these little fiddle videos. I put them up on YouTube and you can check them out on my website. They're great. They're great. No, I, I, I really enjoy them. I, I took a look at a couple of them. I, I played through them and I thought that they were terrific. Well, I'm sorry, but we are out of time. So thank you so much, Mike. I really enjoyed our conversation today. It was terrific. Oh, well, thank you, Eva. I, I, I had a great time as well, and hopefully this will benefit your listeners. I think it absolutely will. So have a great night. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. And again, everyone, that was Mike Ferry and his book is Teaching Happiness and Innovation, and you can get it at Amazon. It is available in Kindle. You can also go to his website, which is happinessandinnovation.com. And again, the replays are available 24-7 on TalkZone.com. So have a great week, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva signing off.